Today we want to look for just a moment at how Jesus was humble and Jesus was obedient. Now, God wants each of us as followers of Christ to be imitators of Christ. The scripture says that. And so this is very important when we consider how Jesus conducted himself. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 5, beginning in the 30th verse, Jesus himself said these words. He said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Humility in Scripture does not mean that we pretend to be worthless and we begin to refuse positions of responsibility. But humility means, in the Scripture, that we know and keep the place God has appointed for us. Let me say that again. Humility doesn't mean that we consider ourselves to be worthless. Humility does not mean we refuse to accept positions of responsibility. But in the Bible, humility refers to us, you and I, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, knowing and accepting and keeping the place that God has appointed for us. Being humble is a matter of accepting God's arrangement, whether it means the high exposure of leadership. Moses was humble as a leader. You can read Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Or the obscurity of being a servant. When Jesus said that he was lowly in heart in Matthew 11 verse 29, he meant that he was following the Father's plan for his earthly life. The three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are eternal and self-existence, each equally having all aspects and attributes of deity, and always acting together. But the persons of the Trinity are distinct in their mutual relationships. Something of what this means is revealed in the humble submission of Jesus Christ to his Father's will, and also in the way that the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and by the Son to confirm the work of salvation in a human heart. Hallelujah. The Father's will for Christ is sometimes called the covenant of redemption. It is called a covenant because it's an agreement between two parties, the Father and the Son. Here's how the Westminster Confession uh, summarizes this covenant, this agreement, the Father's purpose accepted by the Son. Here's how they describe it. It pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, to be the prophet, to be the priest, to be the king, the head, the savior of His church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom He did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. And so that's from the Westminster Confession. Christ fulfilled this covenant through two stages called his humiliation and his exaltation in his 
humiliation. Let's look at that again. Let me repeat myself. Christ fulfilled the covenant between Himself and God the Father through two stages called His humiliation, that's the first stage, and His exaltation in His humiliation, that's the second stage. He left behind the eternal glory that was His, perfectly His. He took on a perfect and complete human nature, body, soul, and spirit, while at the same time never ceasing to be fully God. Through His incarnation, He lived a life of poverty and suffering. He was rejected by His nation, finally to die the shameful death of a common criminal. I want you to turn in your Bibles briefly, if you would, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And let's read a little more about this. And you and I can comfort and encourage one another by becoming humble, understanding what God wants us to do and the place He wants us to occupy, and then by being obedient to occupy and to accept God's arrangements for our lives. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Now understand that as a believer then, every one of us should desire to know the place God wants us to be in and to accept God's arrangement and then to occupy, and in obedience, what God has chosen for our lives. You see, we oftentimes become dissatisfied with God's arrangement. We become dissatisfied with the things that God has chosen for our life. That is a form of pride. Remember our definition of humility that we looked at earlier. Let me look at it one more time with you. Humility is a matter of accepting God's arrangement. It means to know and to keep the place that God has appointed for each of us. Amen? So we understand here. Let's keep reading. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. As a Christian, we should all love God enough to accept His arrangement. To be where He wants us to be. To go where He wants us to go. And to do what He desires that we do. And then it says, Being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You see, every single squabble, every single fight, every single war, every single disturbance among Christians happens when parties get involved in pride. When we decide that we don't like God's arrangement. We don't like what God has chosen. We don't like what God has done. And that lifts our hearts up in pride and we begin to fight with others. To claim that we know something better, or we know something more, or we know something in a greater fashion. And we're even saying that we know more than God when we act that way. The Apostle Paul 
is stern in his exhortation to avoid that. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. That's a quote, I believe, from C.S. Lewis. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So see, the word also means that it's not wrong for you to look at your own interests, but you need to also look to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can do this. You can think properly. You can be humble, and you can be obedient because that is your heritage as a Christian. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But Jesus made himself nothing, the Bible says. And I'm reading from the ESV. And it says, not only did he make himself nothing, he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Please bracket that statement in your mind today. How did Jesus humble himself? I don't want your idea about that. What does the Bible say? How did Jesus humble himself? He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Neighbor, friend of mine today, when you and I obey the Lord Jesus Christ, when we do what he has said, when we agree that he is right, when we obey, that is humbling ourselves. Hallelujah. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself. See, when you see the word therefore, see what it's there for. Because Jesus humbled himself, even to the point of death, even death upon a cross, God has highly exalted him, glory to God, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now remember at the beginning of this message, I told you that God's desire is that you and I be imitators of Christ, that we, we act like Jesus acted. That's what God wants for us, so much so that he sends the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, and a part of that is to conform us, you and me, as Christians, into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so let me say this to you. The same principle holds true that if you want to be promoted in ministry, if you want to be promoted on your secular job, if you want to be promoted in the church, then you need to prove out that principle of humble submission and obedience. And when you do, just as God exalted Jesus, now it's, it's in a little different sense because you and I are not deity and we're never going to be deity. There is a God and, and I ain't Him. There is a God and you ain't Him. But the principle is that when you obey the Lord, then the Lord promotes you. 
the Lord blesses you. And so these are critical issues that you and I, beloved, need to get back to in the modern church of today. In his exaltation, Christ rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he reigns as king over the world and the church. Together with the Father, he has sent the Holy Spirit to complete the work of redemption that he won for us. Hallelujah. You see the great result of Christ's obedience and Jesus' humility. The great result is that today you and I can be saved for all of time and eternity because of the shed blood of an obedient and a humble servant, Jesus Christ. Glory to God. The redemptive obedience of Christ has two sides. There's an active side and a passive side. In his active obedience, Christ fulfilled the positive commandments of God on behalf of his people, serving God and doing good. This positive righteousness is granted as a gift through faith to believers, securing for them a righteous standing before God. In his passive obedience, Christ paid the penalty owed by sinners to God. He did this by permitting or allowing not being inactive, detached, or unfeeling. He permitted himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to sacrifice his life. Jesus came to do the Father's will and not to avoid it. And Jesus' heart was wholly conformed to the Father's will. I pray today that you and I would come to that place in our Christian life where little by little and more by more and grace upon grace as we receive from the Father that our wills would become less and less critical and important to us and that the will of God would become the paramount thing that we strive to enter into, that we strive to occupy, and that we strive to fulfill on a daily basis. Heavenly Father, thank you for this little time, this, this brief time with your people in the Word of God today. As we have looked at the humble obedience of Christ, and, and we have let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts today and convict us of how short we fall at times from this position. But God, strengthen us to know today that we can walk in the Spirit. We can occupy a position in Christ. And that we stand in right standing before you in holy righteousness because of what Jesus has done. So send us forth, Father, to be humble and to be obedient servants. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.